Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an interesting selection of items. If you'll follow me over here to this section of the shop, up here on the shelf, we have a collection of bottles, containers, many of them ornate, many of them with very ornate stoppers, and it is rumored and and it was almost told in tale and folklore that some of these bottles may contain what many call a gin, some call a genie, some even a spirit of sorts. If you'll peruse the line, very ornate, very colorful, very decadent in their looks, well, except for this one here at the end. This one looks as if it is merely... An empty mason jar with the metal screw top lid. Now, many of these jars, if they were to contain a genie of sorts, would be a pleasure to open, to have all your wishes and wildest dreams come true. But this simple, nondescript jar here at the end, this mason jar, if you will, if you were to open this jar, it would not be your wildest dreams and wishes coming true. It would be your worst nightmare. And this reminds me of the story we're about to talk about on this episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new film, It Lives Inside. Now, It Lives Inside is a movie that I actually did not have on my radar going into this week. Uh, there were a couple of movies that, that I did have on my radar, did have on my list scheduled to, to watch and possibly talk about on the podcast. Of course, we had No One Will Save You, which came out on Hulu late last week, as well as Shudder's The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, which looking forward to both of those films. But this movie kind of snuck up on me. I, I really did didn't know much about it until I was perusing the showtimes of my local movie theater just to see if I had missed something or, or what might be out that might pertain to the podcast, horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And I saw It Lives Inside horror film is going to be playing. It was one of the only two new films that were out, at least in my movie theater. Of course, Expendables 4 and this were the, the two top uh, films that, that were new. And I thought, okay, let me let me check this out. So I watched a quick trailer of it. And, and that's always kind of a mixed bag of tricks for me because... Sometimes you watch a trailer and it tells you nothing. Sometimes you watch a trailer and it tells you way too much. So I always go into watching a trailer with a bit of trepidation, a bit of hesitance, because I don't like when trailers give away everything. Uh, so, you know, I watched this and I thought, oh, this looks really interesting. It's told from an interesting point of view. And so I was like, okay, get the ticket because I'm going. And I have to say right off the bat, before we get into 
any of the details on this. We are going to get into some spoiler territory, but I will warn you before we do that. I really liked this movie. This movie was really good. It wasn't perfect, mind you. It did have some some issues that we'll talk about in the spoilery section. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose it's not giving anything away. It had a little pacing problem. I think all of the movies that I watched this weekend all, all had pacing issues. But other than that, uh, all of these movies were interesting enough, had interesting enough characters, interesting enough stories that the pacing didn't bother me that much. And, and that was the case with this film. I thought all of the acting was really good. It was a really interesting story. It was another uh, a first-time director. And we've got another one that was coming up uh, later this week with a bonus episode. But uh, first-time director and screenwriter Bishal Dutta was the, the man behind this and just had a really interesting point of view. And it was based off an interesting story. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that uh, in the spoilery section. I don't want to talk too much about this uh, in, in this non-spoilery section, if you will, because I know a lot of people you know, kind of want to hear whether they should go watch it, but they don't want anything spoiled. So I, I try to keep things non-spoiler at the beginning, and then we'll, we'll dig into it later. But uh, it, it was an excellent movie. Like I said, the cast was fantastic. Uh, Megan Surrey, I thought, was really good as Sam. The actors who played her parents were really good. And uh, Gage Marsh is another actor that I, I really enjoyed in this movie. So really good job acting. The I think probably one of the biggest problems, it didn't have enough scares for me. I really wish there were some more scares. Doesn't mean it wasn't scary. Doesn't mean it wasn't creepy. Doesn't mean it wasn't, uh, didn't have some really big, creepy, frightening moments. Very atmospheric moments. It had a ton of that. And I just, I, I don't know what I wanted, but it didn't, uh, it didn't lead up to enough scares for me. And I don't mean shitty, cheap jump scares. I, I wanted a little more in the scare department, although it did have a couple really creepy, scary scenes. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but a lot of really good practical effects and a lot of, like I said, atmosphere for days. And it was a really good story. And I loved how this story is based off of ancient Indian lore and legend. It's based off a story from Bishal Dutta's grandfather that uh, he told him when he was younger. So there's a lot of really interesting elements that that really made this story compelling. And, and you could really tell it was a labor of love. And it also had a message. And I think... Uh, Two of the three movies we're going to be talking about this week had really good messages. And, and that is always kind of a mixed bag of tricks as well, because some movies you can tell the message comes before the story. They wanted to say this, and we're going to put that at the forefront, and we're going to do this movie uh, about this issue at the expense of the story and ex at the expense of the horror. You get that with, with a lot of films like that, where somebody has a point of view and a perspective, and they want to push that before the story and the horror. That's not the case with this. And then there's another movie we're going to be talking about later this week, uh, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, another movie that's told from a particular point of view that has something to say uh, about that point of view. But you can tell the story came first, the horror came first, and the 
the issues that they're talking about, the the things uh, from these particular directors' point of views, personal point of views, that came second, and and not at the expense of the message that they're trying to tell. I think a lot of times when you put the message first, the story and the horror suffers. And, and granted, sometimes you can put the horror in the story first, and and the message will suffer a little bit. But but in this case, I think you know when you put the horror first, when you put the story first, front and center, that is the main focus of this movie. And then the message only enhanced it. And that's what I loved about this and the angry black girl and her monster. Uh, both directors, both first time directors. Uh, and, and you know, not not first time writers, because I, I think both of these uh, directors have have done a lot of writing, uh, whether it be short stories or, or short films. But first time writing and directing a feature film for both of these directors, I, I think both of them really did a good job of putting the story first, and it didn't take away from the message that they were trying to send. But this very much a movie about finding one's identity. Uh, it's a bit of a coming-of-age story. It delves into some self-loathing that I think uh, some people of color, uh, especially uh, immigrants that come from another country to the United States and are trying to assimilate, and you know that whole dichotomy of do I assimilate to the point where I neglect my past and my tradition, or do I try so hard to keep my tradition alive that... I segregate myself and don't become a part of this big melting pot. Uh, it really delved into a lot of those issues, and it had some creepy AF horror to it. The creature design in this movie was just phenomenal. And for lack of having like really good scares in this, I mean, it had a couple. But where it lacked in some scares, it made up for in the fact that it had a lot of atmosphere and ambiance and those creepy scenes, what's lurking in the dark, what's lurking behind you sort of scenes that you didn't need a jump scare to have the shit scared out of you. I'm sitting in the movie theater alone on a Saturday afternoon watching this and for some reason I had to take a leak really bad. And it was to the point where it distracted me in some parts. And I think, you know, maybe maybe the fact that things didn't scare me like they should have was just because I was distracted because I had to pee and I didn't want to get up in the middle of this movie and miss something. So I tried to hold it the rest of the time. So I, I will admit I was a little distracted, uh, but there were some creepy scenes that I am lucky that I didn't literally piss my pants because uh, some of the creepiness and the the scares were were just uh, some of them were pretty good. Uh, what little they had of like actual scares, it's lucky I didn't have an accident in the middle of the movie theater. But if you haven't watched It Lives Inside, go check it out. I really think if you're a horror fan, I really think you're gonna enjoy this movie. Like I said, it's not perfect. But by God, it is pretty good. I really enjoyed this a lot more than I thought it would because I didn't really know much about it. You know, just judging by the name it lives inside and seeing the trailer for it, I thought it was going to be too much message and, you know, a director that has too much to say and we're going to hear just more message than we are going to see horror and and that was not the case at all it was all horror it was all a good story it was all great characters and you had a message on top of that which just made it have a little more heart 
and I really enjoyed it. So go check out It Lives Inside. It's in movie theaters now. If you watch it, come back, listen to my thoughts on the rest of it. But from here on out, we are going to get into some spoiler territory. So talking about this movie, kind of a brief synopsis of it. You've got Sam, who is an Indian-American high school student, and she's really finding it hard. She's rejecting her Indian heritage to be like everyone else, but her mother is pushing her to be more like her and to embrace her Indian heritage. So you got this going on and you've also got Sam, her former best friend who they kind of kind of went their separate ways after they got into high school, Tamara. Tamara shows up in school. She's looking all goth and bedraggled, and she's carrying around this this mason jar and is just acting very erratic and creepy. We find that there is a demonic spirit in this jar that is set loose, and Sam has to come to terms with her Indian heritage to defeat it. So first off, I want to talk about some of these actors that uh, not a ton of them. I mean, I really didn't know any of them. Uh, I know the lead character, Sam, played by Megan Suri. I, I know some of the stuff she's been in. This is not anything that I usually watch, but she plays uh, Samada. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not, but she likes to go by Sam because she, she wants to be an American. She doesn't want to be known as the Indian girl. And and there's a lot of scenes in here where, you know, this friend of hers wants her to speak in Hindi and and you can tell she's uncomfortable with that because yeah, she doesn't she doesn't want to be known by her ethnicity. She just wants to be a regular American teen. And and I thought Megan Surrey does a really good job with this. You feel for her and you feel for her parents all at the same time because mom wants her to to embrace her her heritage a little more. She just wants to be like all the other kids. The dad's kind of caught in the middle, not wanting to, to go against his wife's wishes, but not wanting his daughter to feel trapped by her heritage. And it, it was a really interesting family dynamic that that I just uh, I enjoyed watching. And just watching them and, and watching that play out, I could have watched the movie all about that without even the horror. And it was very interesting and engaging. And, and all the actors did a really good job conveying these emotions of that kind of triangle of family drama that just gave this family the heart that it needed for you to care about what's going on inside this. You know, you you understand where Sam's coming from. You may not agree with her complete rejection of her heritage, her mother. You, you can see where she's coming from, but you can't uh, completely agree with her uh, not wanting Sam to to be her own person and to fit in how she sees fit and just it was it was all really deftly done and had a lot of nuance to it which uh, I really appreciated uh, being somebody who is not of Indian descent and not knowing what it is like to be somebody who has traveled from India to the United States become a citizen and and what it would be like to again hold on to that tradition while still trying to become a part of this new country that that you're you're living in now and to be able to get a, a little glimpse inside of that 
was was very interesting for me. And, and speaking of the the parents, uh, Niru Bajwa, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right again. Probably not, but she plays the mother. Vic Sahay plays the the father, and I thought they both did a really good job. Mohana Krishnan plays Tamara. She probably had not the hardest job, but she probably had to play the most over-the-top character. I mean, you don't see... I mean, you see glimpses of her uh, throughout this movie uh, because they kind of... uh, After that first scene with her where she is taken by the demon, uh, you think she's dead, but you find out that she's not. So you get glimpses of her uh, throughout this this movie, but really the bulk of the lion's share of her acting happens in those those first you know handful of scenes with Sam and she did a really good job with playing that kind of neurotic very paranoid frightened you know when she's dealing with this this jar that has this demon in it the trembling in her voice and in her hands uh, she just did a really fantastic job with playing the fear and playing the trauma of what she has gone through she looks all haggard and you know dark circles under her eyes and her hair's all stringy and down in her face looks like she hasn't slept in about a, a month and she does a, a wonderful job in portraying that that level of fear that this character is has come to by this time in the movie where we meet her and of course, another one of the a couple other main characters we'll, that we'll talk about real quickly. Uh, Gage Marsh plays Russ. He plays the love interest for Sam, and and I really liked his performance. I really liked the chemistry between Gage Marsh and Megan Surrey. I thought they had a lot of really good chemistry that I wanted to see more of on the screen. And unfortunately, Russ meets his untimely demise, and probably one of the creepiest scenes in the movie. Like I said, uh, not a ton of scares but it had a lot of scary moments uh, i think it's probably the best way to put it we'll we'll talk about those coming up and then uh, joyce dixon she is the teacher of sam and, and these kids played by betty gabriel she does a really good job has what seems to be a very uh, limited role at the beginning but she turns out to be more of an integral player as the movie goes on and and i thought she did a really good job playing the the concerned teacher uh not anything that we haven't seen before but like i said bitter gabriel does a really good job and she has that one scene uh i might as well get into some of my favorite scary scenes with this because they have in this school it's kind of interesting we never had it in any of the schools I ever went to, but they have a lighting system where it's like motion activated. So as you walk down the hall, you see the lights as you're going forward turn on all by themselves. And after a while behind you, they turn off. And that was really creepy just in and of itself. It, it I was like, oh, they're going to do something really cool with these lights. And they did because this demon, the Pishash, he or it is coming down the hall from the other direction. And all of a sudden, you know, she's got the lights over top of her, but there's the lights are dark down the hall. And then all of a sudden they start lighting up coming the other way. And it was just, it was, it was sent a chill down my spine. And then when she goes into that bathroom and they have one of those lights in the bathroom where you have to set the timer, you, you turn it to a certain point and you can hear it ticking down. And after it hits zero, it turns off all by itself. 
and she turns it on, but then she, she actually turns it off herself. And as she turns it off, you hear creepy sounds and she turns it back on, turns it off, turns it on. I don't know if they did kind of the rule of three thing there, but they had, you know, uh, Bishal Dutta had the patience to do it enough times where like, okay, you're going to see it this time. No, you don't see it. Okay, you're going to see it this time. You know, you don't see it. And then when they finally do make the creature reveal where you see the silhouette and the glowing eyes, which they do a lot with this movie. And part of me wants to say that they did it too many times and it became ineffective. But to me, it just was creepy as hell. And to me, it was effective every time. That sort of shit scares me. It scared me as a kid. It would scare me as an adult. You know, I live kind of in a rural area. And if I were to go about in our big backyard and see the silhouette of something in the moonlight and, and glowing eyes, I would lose the contents of my bladder, the contents of my bowels, and scream much like a teenage girl. So, yeah, it worked. It worked perfectly. And, and that scene with the lights, uh, especially the bathroom scene with the, the, the lights turning on and off, was just one of the creepiest scenes. I, I think another scene, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, was the death scene for Russ, played by Gage Marsh. They're sitting on the swing, and Sam goes back into this house where these murders have happened, and she hears a disturbance, and you get flashes uh, and it's mostly done through her perspective, but sometimes you get to see what she's not seeing. And all of a sudden he is lifted up into the air and being tossed about and, and whipping against the chains of the swing set. It was just very disturbing. Great. I'm sure it had to be a practical effect of some sort. They had him on some sort of wire rigging or, or something like that. But just to see him like in midair between these two swings, you know, banging against the chains and flopping about was just disturbing. You didn't have to see a monster for it just to, to creep the hell out of you. And, and I think that's one of the things that this movie does really good is that they use good practical effects and they scare you without having to show you the monster. Much like that scene where you have Sam and you have uh, Tamara in this kind of stairwell. Uh, there's the door leading out to the courtyard or, or whatever in the in the school. And it's after Sam has broken the jar that contains this uh, pishash. And Sam leaves and all of a sudden you see kind of a silhouette of Tamara. And then the hair on the back of her head starting to, to lift up. And you know, you hear the the clicking of this monster. You know it's it's grabbing a handful of hair and and then pulls her out the door. And it was such a, a great practical effect. And it was effective. It, it made me jump and it startled me. And it it had a you know, when you have that patience of just lingering on that hair lifting up and you know what's gonna happen, and when it does happen, it, it still scares you. I think to me that's that's a pretty good scare. Then I think that whole final scene, that, that final conflict, uh, where you get to the climax of this whole ordeal where 
You have Sam fighting the Pashash, trying to save Tamara. You have the whole thing with Sam and her mom at at their house uh, leading up to that. I think that whole stretch of scenes, it really made some of the, the pacing issues that you got in that second act, it made it all worthwhile when you got to that climax because... It had a lot of really good effects, a lot of good practical stuff. Uh, I like when they get to the the house where Tamara's being kept, and you have you know kind of quasi chase scenes between Sam and this demon and what she's doing to try and combat it. You know, it turns invisible and she's kicking up dust to to expose it, and it was really a an interesting scene. And the tension was that which you know. Anytime you get a good monster uh, chasing somebody, I mean, I've, I've seen some movies where it just doesn't work and it's not scary, but this, it, it had all the right elements. The fact that you can only see it half the time, uh, the other half, when you do see it, it's a lot in silhouette with the glowing eyes, which I've already established scares the shit out of me. Uh, you know, that, that fear of the unknown of where is it at when it turns invisible is is really palpable in all this and then when you get those moments where she kicks up some dust or something and and you actually get to see where it is and oh f it's right there uh, did a really good job with those sorts of scenes and made for me uh made that climax very action-packed very thrilling and very scary now i will say that the the finale, uh, what they do, where the they're going to trap it in the glass jar, that gets broken. Uh, it, they really foreshadowed earlier with the, the creepy paintings. I think that was another aspect of this that didn't even have anything to do with the practical effects, didn't have anything to do with the creature design. It had some really creepy paintings, whether it's on the wall in this house or in that book, that journal that somebody that had been dealing with this before had written and some creepy drawings in that. But you saw they had a, a picture of a person and a demon and the demons consuming things and that's coming out of the person. And they're, you know, I think it is the Gage Marsh uh, Russ character says, is it coming out or is it going into the person? And you realize right away that, it's a good possibility that she is going to have to be the vessel that contains this. Now, there was a little question at the time when this whole climax is going down, whether it would be Sam or it would be Tamara that it becomes the vessel for this uh, Pishash. But it really just made sense that it was going to be Sam. And that was probably another aspect of the story that... Uh, not that I didn't like it, uh, because you know that's I've been watching horror movies long enough, as as I'm sure you have, and you get where things are gonna go a lot of times. Uh, you know, a lot of times there are twists and turns that you never see coming, but in in a lot of horror movies uh, these days, uh, you can see where things are probably gonna go, and and there was a, a bit of this movie that I kind of saw where things were going. I didn't mind it though. It's okay if you can tell where things are going to go as long as the ride that gets you there from point A to point B is interesting and engaging and stimulating enough to keep me entertained between point A and point B. But for the most part, those are probably some of my favorite scares, some of my favorite creepy moments. And there, there, were, there were several others. Like I said, uh, not a ton of jump scares, like really good jump scares, but 
like I said, they did a lot with the atmosphere and the creature design that made even eerie, creepy scenes really scary. And some of them borderline terrifying. You didn't need a ton of jump scares, but it would have been nice if there were a few more like really scary moments in this. Now, I have to say that uh, I, I want to talk about the director, Bishal Dutta. I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the direction of it. I enjoyed the look of it. I enjoyed watching his point of view as somebody who moved from India to the United States and, and really cut his teeth on American culture by watching horror movies. And I've watched a lot of interviews with him and talking about, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and The Shining and Jaws and things like that, that really formed his, you know, his love of horror. It, it's really interesting to, to see this movie come about as as a man who is doing this movie from a perspective you don't see a lot in horror you don't see a lot of horror movies based on indian folklore and and, and legends like the pishash uh, you don't see a lot of horror movies from the perspective of indian characters and, and that's what I found really interesting about this because it was from a different point of view. We're looking at horror from a different prism. And I, I know there's uh, an article out there where he talked about after moving to North America and see a lot of American horror films, he always wondered what families like his were going to be doing as Bruce the Shark tore through Amity's waters or Freddy Krueger slashing teenagers in their dreams or while Jack Torrance is chasing his son through a hedge maze, uh, you know, and I think that's that's a really interesting perspective as somebody, you know, uh, you know, I'm white bread. Uh, American, so you know, about as basic as it gets, but it, I, I like the idea, you know, how. You know, somebody of a different nationality, a different, uh, uh, different ethnicity would watch a movie like that and wonder what their family would be like in that sort of situation. And I think that's why you get a lot, for me at least, out of representation and diversity. And I, I think it's such a great thing for horror to see different points of view in horror because we see some of so much of it from one lens and to see uh, another another nationality's take on horror and really bringing to to the horror zeitgeist or, or whatever you want to call it things like the pishash which is a a demon in indian culture that I mean, they describe it fairly well in this movie. It is a flesh eater. It feeds on loneliness and separation and those those ill will feelings. You know, whenever you know people are are being kind of ostracized because of who they are. Those those types of feelings. It preys on on those feelings and those people. And and I like how, you know, that is part of the mythology that it can be invisible. Uh, it's also a shapeshifter in in the mythology. Dada decided not to go that route because it just seemed like one too many elements for this movie. To me, I think the scarier thing is the invisibility aspect of the Pashash because, you know, once it is invisible, you know, where is it? It's that, 
that wonderful aspect of Jaws that, that I think he drew uh, a little bit of inspiration from when, you know, you see somebody floating in the water and all you see is the surface. You can't tell what's going on under, underneath. You know Jaws is there because you hear the dun 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 but you can't see it. And it's that uh, horror of the unknown uh, that I think that was really the good play with this movie and with the Pashash is that it is invisible and you know it's there because you hear the clicking and the the growling of it uh, but you don't know where it's at and I also loved the idea that this story came from a story he heard from his grandfather I was watching an interview where he's talking about his grandfather knew a girl or a woman and she would carry around a mason jar and would be like talking to it and treating it weirdly and his grandfather told her this woman that you know there's nothing in that jar so she unscrews the lid and pours something out on him there was nothing in the jar uh, at least that he knew, but it, you know, it, she made it like she was pouring something on him. And then after that, he started experiencing weird things like hearing galloping horses outside of his house when there were no horses or anything. And the one really creepy aspect of the story that uh, Bishal Dutta told about his grandfather is that his grandfather left a pack of peanuts out one night, uh, I'm guessing on a nightstand or something like that. Uh, he had his back to it and he hears the package, something chewing on the nuts. And then when he rolled over to look in that direction, the nuts were gone. And, uh, you know, it could have been just a story grandpa told him to, to scare the shit out of him as a kid. I know my grandparents and aunts and uncles did that. But this, the thought of that, I think is such a wonderful base for a scary story that, that I think it's great that he, not only is he putting his culture as an Indian American, but he's also putting in uh, the the tales that he heard, the legends and the lore from his culture. And, and beyond that, putting in the legends and lore from his own personal family, which there again, just gives this movie so much more, so many more layers and so much more texture that I think that is probably one of the reasons why I love this movie so much and enjoyed this movie as much as I did. And then the very ending of it had a, not a nihilistic ending, but it had a very kind of question mark type ending because you have uh, Sam who has bottled up this demon inside of her she is now the vessel she is doing the things and going through the you know, the traditional indian hindu rituals to keep this thing contained inside of her and her and tamara are, are now friends again and tamara saying how she's worried it's going to get out and sam saying that you know she's not going to let it out she's going to do whatever she has to to keep it from getting out but then as tamara walks away or rides her bike away i can't remember uh you see the the camera pan in on sam's face and she goes from this smile to a look of concern to a look of sadness because now she is ultimately trapped by her heritage uh which she was was totally against to begin with she's had to use her heritage 
to to keep this thing contained. She's talking about going back to help her mom prepare for a uh, a meal that's uh, a part of their religion, which she was kind of not against earlier, but she was kind of blowing it off to to go hang out with her friends, and and now she's kind of locked into that, and she's locked into her friendship with Tamara, which she kind of was trying to move away from that to to get other friends. So it is kind of a a, a bittersweet ending and kind of a question mark as to whether it's a good ending or not. Should she have been tied to the traditions of her her heritage uh, like her mother wanted? Or should she have been able to go and be a part of this new world that she's entered into in becoming an American? Uh, it, it really doesn't answer that. And it really leaves you kind of sad for her that uh, ultimately, the decision and the choice was taken away from her. And and it's just kind of an open-ended ending that uh, leaves you feeling sad for her, leaves you feeling worried for what might happen in the future if this demon feeds on that loneliness that she is inevitably going to feel because she is uh, she's alone in this. She's not... Uh, free to do what she wants or be who she wants to be. And that ultimately is a very lonely thing. So a very interesting, like I said, kind of question mark, open-ended ending to a, to a really good movie. So ultimately, uh, I really did enjoy this movie. This movie is one of those uh, movies that I I didn't really know much about it going into it. But after the fact, after I've watched it, I really wish I had the anticipation of it leading up to it because it was so much better than I was expecting it to be. And I can't wait for the opportunity to watch it again. Probably not going to go back to the movie theater to watch it again, but I can't wait till it comes out on streaming or, or one of the streaming services that I hopefully have because I, I want to watch it again because it's one of those movies that you really can learn a lot by a second watching and not even so much the horror, although I am I am interested to see how much of the, the horror will scare me when I'm not distracted by having to pee through half the movie, but <laughs> that's my own damn fault. But I'm really excited to, to see how much of the horror, see how it still works in a second viewing. And, and even beyond that, there's so much of the Indian culture that they, they reference and talk about in this that was fascinating. And I, I want to see if I missed anything and, and see if there was something I missed that plays into the movie and into the horror and into the mythology of this uh, Pishash demon. Uh, I can't wait to watch this movie again. And to me, if, if I want to watch a movie again, that says something because I've watched a lot of movies that I enjoyed, but I don't care if I ever watch it again. And this is a movie that I definitely want to take a second look at. And I encourage you, if you haven't taken a first look at it, go check it out. It's got wonderful cast, wonderful direction. It's got a great look to it. The cinematography, not a lot of groundbreaking stuff, but it was it was interesting to look at visually. Like I said, there were some pacing issues in the second act of the movie uh, in the middle that kind of slowed things down a little bit. But once you get to that third act and once you get, you know, kind of full speed ahead to the climax, it it really makes up for, for some of the slower moments. 
And like I said, the acting and characters are all very interesting. The practical effects were wonderful. The creature design, I really didn't talk about the creature design on this Pashash, was just uh, really cool, really creepy, especially when, I mean, for the most part of the movie, it is invisible. Or you get to see like an outline, a silhouette of this monster with the with the glowing eyes. The, the closet scene was very much like the boogeyman. Maybe even scarier than the boogeyman for, for my money. And uh, I, I have a love-hate relationship with that movie. Uh, I enjoyed it as a King adaptation. That's where I enjoyed it less. But I, I thought what they did with the closet scene in It Lives Inside... Uh, to me, that was creepier than the closet scenes in The Boogeyman. But the creature design was really cool. Once you really get a good look at it late in the movie, it's gnarly and disgusting and very bony and and spikes. And But really, for the most part, the scariest scenes with that monster are those silhouette scenes where all you're seeing are those glowing eyes. And if you want to hear... Uh, an interesting story uh, about me and glowing eyes from my personal life. Go back in the archives of this podcast. I think I did it, uh, maybe not last Halloween, but the Halloween before last. So Halloween of 21, the first Halloween of this podcast, I talked about some of my own personal scary stories. And there's, there <laughs> I have a history with glowing eyes and and terror. So maybe it was all just flashbacks from my childhood. But uh, but the glowing eyes scenes were, were some of the scariest bits of the creature design in this that uh, just made this monster, this creature, so terrifying in some of these scenes. So so check that out. Like I said, wonderful story. A lot of heart to the story, but also a lot of horror to the story. And it is a movie. Just just steeped in atmosphere and tension. And, you know, this, I think this director, Bashal Dutta, I think he has a, a bright future ahead of him, much like the director, first time director, future film director that we're going to talk about, uh, with Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Uh, I think these are two young directors who have bright futures ahead of them uh, because they've both got a lot of really good instincts when it comes to horror. And Bishal Dutta, uh, I think, is is one of those, uh, like I said, that uh, I just uh, really can't wait to see what he does next. I think you need to see what he's done with It Lives Inside because very good horror movie. Uh, again, not perfect, but by God, it was, it was certainly entertaining. And that, to me, is... What you want out of a horror movie. You want to be entertained. You want to be scared, but you want to be entertained. And this has all the horror, all the heart, all of the intrigue and interest that keeps you keeps you captivated, even through some of the slower parts. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on It Lives Inside. You can check it out in theaters now. And like I said before, you know, go support horror movies that are in movie theaters. I know some of us feel like, you know, we don't want to go outside or we don't want to be around people or we're too fucking cheap to, to spend money on movie tickets and some popcorn. But, you know, our local movie theaters they need asses in seats or or they're not going to be able to stay in business and you know sooner or later all these little hometown movie theaters are going to be shutting the fuck down because no one wants to go see a movie theater i'm going to wait till it comes out on streaming and then when you can't go watch the big blockbusters in the movie theaters you're going to be wondering why all the movie theaters shut down go fucking see this movie in the movie theater 
show Hollywood that horror movies can make money too. And and we'll get more bigger budget horror films. Not to say the lower budget stuff's not cool and it's not good, but you know, it's nice to see. I want to see a big blockbuster horror film that just blows everything out of the water. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Well, thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on It Lives Inside. You can check out more on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on our Facebook page and Instagram page. We're always posting cool stuff about horror fantasy and science fiction. Also, no matter, no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please leave a review. Uh, five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we appreciate it. Follow it, like it, subscribe to it, and most importantly, share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Uh, Coming up later this week, Thursday's episode is going to be the new uh, Hulu movie, uh, No One Will Save You, which is another fantastic movie. And then we've got a bonus episode coming out. Uh, the Shutter film, The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. I'm not sure where that is going to show up. If we're going to do that maybe Wednesday or Friday, uh, I'm going to throw that bonus episode somewhere because we got a lot of shit coming up the the next uh, uh, next month or so, and I don't want to get backlogged with things. So uh, you know, I'm not giving. I'm not going to save this for Monday. We're going to put it out this week. Just not exactly sure where, but uh, like I said, if you follow, like, subscribe, whatever you do on the podcast platform of your choice, if you do that, you're going to stay on top of all the all the new episodes that are coming out. So, uh, so do that and be listening for uh, two episodes coming out this week, our regular Thursday and that bonus episode. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!